In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, The year was 1999. Uh, I was 13 years old, so you can figure out my age from there if you were wondering. Uh, And the movie The Sixth Sense had just come out. I don't know if you remember that movie, uh, but it's the movie where the little boy sees dead people. Um, uh, It was the first, I I think it was the first PG-13 movie I'd ever seen. My parents were very diligent. I could not watch one until I was 13, and this was the one that I chose. Um, I have a very active, uh, overactive imagination, I guess you could say, because after watching that movie, I was scared straight for like two weeks straight. I was looking behind my back, uh, peeking around every corner, um, staying up late at night. I, I could not fall asleep. Uh, I learned an important lesson after watching that movie, is, and, and that is that it's, it's fun to be scared for an hour or two at a time, but uh, fear is something, for me at least, best handled in small doses, in limited qualities. Uh, and so even today, uh, I don't know, do we have any scary movie fans here today? Any horror genre? Okay, a few of you. I am not one of those people. It's usually twice a year, once in October, when, when my wife and I will be sitting down to watch a movie, and I'll think, yeah, I'm ready to be scared. But it's very infrequent, very few and far between, because I've realized I, I like to be scared, small doses, limited qualities, uh, quantities, but it's, but it's no way to live. Uh, I, I think that's actually true for all of us, right? It's fun to be scared, but you don't want to live in fear. Uh, one of the things our Bible passage for today from Romans 8 reminded us of, though, is that all too often we do live in fear. Not all of the time. I, I don't mean that by any means, but more often than we need to, we are living in fear and anxiousness. We're, we're afraid for like big global things like the environment or, or nuclear war. We're, we're afraid on a, a national level as we watch our politics unfold and all of the anger there and, and, and certain legislation that is passed. We're, we're afraid on a local level, what's happening in our own backyards, in our own families. We're afraid, some of you, for your kids or, or for your grandkids. You, you carry this fear in you. You're worried about your job, if you'll have it tomorrow. We live, I think, with way more fear than we were ever meant to. It's fun for a moment here or there, a movie or two at a time, but it's, but it's no way to live. And, and what the Bible says is that there are lots of causes for our fear, lots of reasons, but we heard about one of them in particular today, one of the reasons why you and I find ourselves living with this anxiousness, worry, and, and fear in our hearts. And, and that's because you and I, uh, Paul says, are slaves, now, some of you have grown up in the church, so you've heard that before, and, and you're not really shocked, but I, I think it was kind of meant to shock us. <laughs> uh, I, I think maybe for some of us, it's really hard to think of ourselves that way, right? Uh, for, for a number of reasons, but maybe it's hard for you to grapple with that. Maybe it even seems offensive to you or wrong that, that God would call us slaves, that apart from Jesus, we are slaves, and what the Bible says is that all too often, actually, we go back to that slave-like way of living, and, and yet that's our reality. As hard as it is to hear, God says we are slaves. It's, it's hard to hear. I think for us for two reasons in particular. One, because we live in America and we live in the land of the free, right? That is one of our foundational values. We are free people. No one's going to tell me otherwise. We also have this whole sordid history of slavery in this country, political, racial, bigoted, awful, terrible slavery, and we are trying to move past that even 150 years plus, right? We're doing our best to leave that behind. But also, I think because we have many people, maybe some of you, or, or I'm sure you know people who have fought for our freedom, right? People who have died to make us free, and it seems offensive to their memory, and we just celebrated the anniversary of D-Day this week, right? It seems offensive to their memory for what they did to think of ourselves as slaves today. So this is a hard analogy that Paul makes for us to grasp. But also, I think, because 
there is this reality, and, and I don't know that we talk about this enough, but there are actually slaves living today um, between, depending on what number you follow, between 25 and 45 people right now in this world living in slavery. People who are passed off and traded and bought and sold, tr- uh, uh, abused and used like they are objects right now. And we think about them and we think of how great we have it and it just seems a little icky and wrong to think of ourselves like that, like we are so blessed and we're so thankful and we wouldn't want to, to put them down by, by saying that we are slaves. But, but, but God makes it clear, you and I, before Jesus, are spiritual slaves. And all too often, even after receiving Jesus, we go back to a life of slavery. Now, I know this is a little hard to wrap our minds around. So uh, I'd like to give for you the definition of a slave. Uh, this is according to the almighty Google. Uh, this is uh, how it's defined. A slave is someone who is subservient to a dominating influence someone who is subservient to a dominating influence. Now, it's my contention today that we are all, all of us here today, every last one of us living underneath a dominating influence of some sort. And so my question isn't, are you living underneath a dominating influence or are you a slave, but what is your dominating influence? And, and I think we have uh, lots of them. Uh, for example, for some of us, our dominating influence might be money. And it might be because we have a lot of debt. Maybe it's student loan debt. Maybe it's credit card debt. Maybe it's mortgage debt. But so much of our lives is lived paying off that debt. We are working, living, striving, struggling to to pay off that debt. Uh, Money has become our dominating influence. Or maybe it's simply the fact that we're trying to keep up with the Joneses and we're trying to collect as, as much of it as we can. We find our happiness in our money. And so that for us has become our guiding light, our driving, dominating influence. Uh, For others of us, it might be a career. Uh, we, we find our identity in our career and what we do from nine to five, and we're working to keep that up. We, if we lose the career or, or, or the job is taken from us, we don't know who we are, and, and, and so for us, that's our dominating influence. For others of us, it's a, an image or a facade we've created. We, we want people to see us a certain way. We, we want to see ourselves a certain way. We craft it online and Facebook or, or Instagram, and that for us has become our dominating influence. We've got to keep up this appearance Uh, so that we'll be accepted and liked and loved. Uh, For others of us, maybe it's a little white lie. (laughs) Maybe you have some of these in your life, like a little white lie you told years ago, maybe to get yourself out of a sticky situation or maybe uh, to make yourself look a certain way, but you've told the lie once. But you know how lies go, right? Once you tell it once, you've got to tell it again. You've got to keep it going. And, and so you've been telling this lie, and it's kind of spun out of control. And now that, for you, is your dominating influence. Or, or maybe, as, as the Bible speaks so often, it is just the crushing weight of guilt and shame. You know the bad things you've done. You know how God calls you to live and that you haven't lived that way. And so you're constantly living in fear, looking over your shoulder, like, when is God going to strike me down? Or you're looking around the next corner, seeing what's waiting for you. You live with this anxiousness, this anxiety, this fear fear that comes from slavery. The truth is all of us have these dominating influences. All of us uh, are living in fear. And yet today we heard this beautiful, wonderful gospel promise to every last one of us who lives as a slave, a spiritual slave today. And and these, these are God's words to us. This is his powerful promise to people like me and you. This is what God says. He says, for those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. The spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship. By him, by the spirit, we cry, Abba, Father. The spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Now, if we are 
children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. If indeed we share in his sufferings in order that we may also share in his glory. See, the good news for us today, to all of us who have, who have lived in slavery and keep going back to that way in life time and time again, the good news for us is that we have freedom, the freedom we long for. We are free from living under that crushing weight of money. We don't have to keep up with the Joneses. We don't have to find our identity in our career and what we do from nine to five. We are children of God. We have a father who loves us. We don't have to live a life, keep on telling the lie. We, we can live honest, open lives, as we talked about this morning, confessing our mistakes and receiving that forgiveness. We don't have to live under the crushing weight of guilt and shame and fear. We are free with that father, Abba, daddy who cares for us and and his son, Jesus, who became a slave to sin and, and bore that punishment and paid the price and carried the burden. You are free. Now, maybe some of you are thinking, well, all of us ought to be thinking, oh my goodness, <laughs> thank you, Lord, right? Because that's good news and that should be our response. Thank you, thank you, thank you. But some of us, I think, are thinking, oh, thank you, Pastor. I'm free, which means I don't have to come to church next weekend and hear another one of your sermons because I'm not saved by church attendance. Uh, I'm saved by grace. I'm free. Thank you, Pastor. I don't have to come and help out at the block party next August because I can sit on my couch and uh, plant my bottom there because I'm free. I can do whatever I want, whenever I want. Thank you. But now I'm free. I don't have to put money in the basket this morning, keep a little, go out to breakfast. I am free. I want to live in that freedom. Thank you. Well, uh, let's pause there for a moment. (laughs) You could say that, but that's not the life that God calls us to. That's not a mature Christian perspective. You see, the truth is, Uh, And our passage today reminded us of this, but I think God's word in whole reminds us that, that yes, we are free. We're free from living underneath the dominating influences of money and lies and guilt and shame and career, all of that. But we still, all of us here today, still live underneath a dominating influence. It's just that you and I, full of the Spirit, live underneath the dominating influence of Jesus. Uh, It's kind of like this, and I've told you all this before, uh, members, and so you've heard me say it. I I told you back the first time I mentioned it, though, that you wouldn't believe me, and I know some of you did not believe me, and so I'm going to say it again, and some of you still won't believe me because it's very unbelievable, but it is true, so I'm just going to keep saying it, but that is when I was a kid, I, your pastor, was not the perfect child. Uh, I got sent to my room more often than I'd cared to admit, more often than most. Uh, okay, I, I did a lot. There were periods in my life. Uh, it happened quite often. And I think I told you at that time that how it usually went for me when I got sent to my room is uh, I'd go there. It felt like an hour. It was actually 10 minutes, and my mom would come. And she, she made me do a few things. She, she made me confess what I had done. She made me tell her what I did uh, that was wrong. Uh, and then she forgave me. She said, I forgive you. Then we each said, I love you. And then she gave me a hug, and then she opened the doors, and I got to walk free. Now, it would be crazy, right? At least it would be wrong for me to walk out those doors, to, to enter my new free life, and go back downstairs and begin terrorizing my brothers. Right? I probably did that, but that was crazy. That was wrong. That was not right. It, it, it is wrong to, to, to walk out the doors that have been flung wide open into that freedom and to go back to all the things that got me there in, in the first place, right? That would be going back to slavery. Uh, instead, I, I walked out of those doors but I continued to live under a dominating influence. It was just that I was living now under the dominating influence of mom and dad, right? A a dominating influence, not of anger or hatred, not one that I needed to be afraid of 
or anxious about, but a, a dominating influence, an influence that was dominated by love and grace and kindness that I had just been on the receiving end of. And you see, that's how it is with us and God. We are free from money and, and lies and, and guilt and shame, but we continue to live underneath the dominating influence of Jesus, under his love and his grace and his kindness. And so, yes, we are free, but life is different now, and it has to be, doesn't it? Now, maybe you're thinking to yourself at this point, okay, what does that look like? What does this new, free, different life look like? Like, does that mean that I can only listen to K-Love when I drive the car or the Christian radio station on Spotify? Or does this mean now that I'm free, I have to vote Republican or that, um, that, that I have to have these awkward conversations at work about Jesus with my unbelieving friends? And uh, the answer, of course, is no, no, and yes. Uh, you do have to have those awkward conversations about Jesus with your friends. We're called to be his witnesses. Uh, but to say that life is simply different now as Christians, we're not slaves anymore. We're free. And so maybe my second question for all of, all of us here today is, what is different about you? And I don't ask this in some sort of pietistic, legalistic, holier-than-thou way. And, and notice what the question is. The question is not, how are you better than your heathen, unbelieving friends? Right? That's not the question. Because the, the truth is, the answer to that is nothing. Sin is the great equalizer. We're not better than anyone else. But the question is simply, what's different about you? Uh, maybe a better way to put this, if I had time, I'd change the presentation. Maybe a better way to put it is, how are you going to use your freedom now? Are you going to go back to that old way of living? Are you going to go back to the things that made you a slave in the first place? Are you going to lock yourself back in the room? Are you going to go out and live a different life for Christ, a life of freedom, a life underneath the dominating influence of Jesus and his love and his grace and his compassion? Are, are those things going to change you? What's different about you? The, the truth is, if, if we look in the mirror and we say nothing, then, then something is just off. <laughs> And so I encourage you, think about that this week. What's different about you? How are you going to use your freedom in Christ? Now, uh, going back to that analogy with me and my mom getting sent to the room, your pastor's not perfect, that whole thing. Uh, I think it's a good analogy, but it does fall a little bit short. Uh, and that's for one reason. When my mom sent me out of the room, she sent me filled up with a few things that I already mentioned, right? She sent me out with her love, with her forgiveness, and a hug. And those three things were more than enough. They were plenty for me, and they were all that I needed. And, and that was wonderful. But, but you see, God sends us out with one more thing. He sends us out with his forgiveness and his love, but also with his spirit. And that's the gift of Pentecost that we're celebrating today, that we leave the, the, the confines of our slavery, we are set free from the dominating influence of money and, and career and lies and guilt and shame and creating these images and facades for ourselves. but we're also sent out full of his Holy Spirit, a spirit not of fear, but of freedom, a, a spirit that, that changes us and shapes us and, and is working powerfully in our lives. You, dear Christian, bear that spirit, carry that living and active God inside of you. And that's an amazing gift. The gift of Pentecost. Uh, in our reading for today, we heard about just a, a few of the things that the Spirit is doing in our lives. So if, if you have your bulletin and you, you want to flip to it, one of the things that the Spirit is doing in us, that the gift of Pentecost is working in us, is that in verse 14, the, the opening verse of our, our Romans 8 passage, the Spirit, it says, is leading us. 
right? Uh, our, our spiritual life, this new different life, this life of freedom is not some maze that, that you are kind of set loose and like God is like, figure it out. I hope you, you end up in the right place, right? No, we are led by the Spirit, speaking through his word, the scriptures, laying out what it looks like to be more like Jesus. You are led by the Spirit. He is pulling you along, sometimes kicking and screaming, but he is leading you forward. Uh, We heard in verse 16 that the Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. It's the Spirit's job to remind you sometimes that you are free (laughs) because we all forget it and we all go back to slavery and it is the Spirit that's working in us saying, you are free. You have a father who loves you. Call him daddy, Abba. We heard in, in verse 26, if you flip forward a little bit, that it's the Spirit who is helping us in our weakness. See, the truth is you are weak. I'm weak. We're all weak. But we have this powerful spirit working in us, strengthening us, causing us to do things that we otherwise would never do. Those things that you know God says, hey, don't do that, that's wrong, that's bad. It's the spirit that helps us not do those. And the good things we should be doing but that we're too lazy to do, it's the spirit working in our weaknesses. It's also the spirit in that same verse who who prays for us, interceding on our behalf. There are some days, and I know you all know this, when you are just broken and crushed and bad things are happening, you're living in in this bondage to the world and you are anxious and worn out and you don't even have the words to pray. And it's the Spirit at that time that is lifting you up, giving you the words, bringing your entire life to God, interceding on your behalf. See, brothers and sisters, Living in fear is is fine, maybe even fun for a moment or two, but it's no way to live. And praise be to God that you and I, through Jesus Christ, our Lord, have been set free and have been filled with the Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen.